At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up! This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Week 10 is in the books, and drama is in the Pac-12. Jimmy Lake gets suspended. Cal's COVID rules cause an Arizona win. Jordan Simone starts a controversy at Arizona State and what's going on with UCLA and Chip Kelly. And of course, we have to recap week 10, preview week 11, and you know what else? College basketball is starting. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amston, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. This is the podcast by Pac-12 fans, for Pac-12 fans, and college football fans alike who want the truth. No sugarcoating. We tell the truth about the conference and keep it 100 at all times. So, Ralph, let's get started. Let's do it. Uh, Week 10 in the Pac-12. So now, I'm still waiting on my apology for about Oregon. And them making the college foot, having a path to the college football playoff. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm with you on uh, rooting for it to happen. I still don't believe it's going to happen. And uh, you'll get the apology with interest if it actually takes place. Yes. So now I just got to sweat out four more football games, huh? Something like that. (laughs) Dude, seriously, sweat them out. And most concerning is this Washington State game because it's this week after a big week, emotional win. Can't have a letdown, buddy, because Jaden Delora and company will not go easy. Um, John Wilner, I just want to point out, John Wilner told us last week, in the last two weeks, that the AP would follow the college football playoff committee. And I get that too. Right. And my, my reaction to that was like, why would they? If 80% of voters, if four out of every five voters believe that Ohio State is better than Oregon, why would they switch up just because one group of people has a different opinion? And it happened. 
I told you, bro. And the no reason- backbone, no conviction. <laughs> what did you expect, dude? Because it's about being right. People want to be right. And the college football playoff is apparently right. And they switched Oregon and Ohio State just because the committee said that head-to-head matters. Yeah, that's such clown behavior. It really is. It just, it, it just means that it, it, it didn't mean anything to you. It means your opinion didn't mean anything to you. Understanding that your opinion was completely <laughs> subjective. It was subjective. You have an out no matter what. Your opinion is subjective. And they still changed their opinion based on somebody or else's subjective no, opinion. It could have been what they saw on the field because Ohio State struggled with Nebraska. They could have not liked that too, right? That's possible. Didn't they beat Nebraska by the same amount that Oregon beat Washington? Were both games on the road? No, no. Ohio State played it played at home, I believe. No, that was definitely at Nebraska. I watched it just because the stadium was red. It was still it was in Lincoln, though. Oh, well, still, dude. Still this. Uh, and then the, the, the weather at the Oregon game was a monsoon, bro. It was a monsoon. And that leads us to our first topic. Big topic of the week. Jimmy Lake. Washington head coach suspended for the Arizona State game a day after they announced that offensive coordinator John Donovan got fired from Washington. And this would actually, I guess we can deal with the Donovan firing first. Were you surprised by that? Because I was I was surprised that it actually happened. I did not think that Jimmy Lake was going to be willing to do it because he was playing football the way Jimmy Lake wants to play football. I mean, they scored one touchdown after they were gifted nine points in a rivalry game at home. So, And they had six starts in like on their own 42 or better, and they didn't get one point out of any of those drives. Does it bother you that if Washington was in any way a competent football team, Oregon would have lost? That doesn't mean that. Why does it not mean that? You How? go 0 for 5 in Oregon territory when that's where your drive started? You're that gifted no, 9 no, points would, and you only score much, 7 the rest of the way? It would have just been a much tougher game for sure. I can't I can't with certainty say that they would have won. Come on now, Ralph. Okay, so if two of those drives result in touchdowns, that's a win. If no, three of them result to... in field goals, that's a one-point game. Yeah, but then... Less time for Oregon to do what they need to do on the offensive Yeah, end. but Oregon had another chance to score, too. They could have they scored at the very end of the game, and they met, messed up on time. But l- l- let's just stay with the thing. So Washington is averaging 22 points a game. 22. When a lot of people thought that this could be their most talented team ever. Ever. They are 10th in the conference in total offense at 332 yards a game. Um, They are, yeah, this is not, yeah, this is not what you want. Their their yards per play is 10th in the conference. 
offensive touchdowns, 10th in the conference. Like Oregon scored 40, they're leading. Washington has scored 23, while Arizona's at the bottom with 13. As far as Washington rushing, Washington is uh, 11th in the conference in rushing at 115 yards per game. As far as, yeah. And then their rushing defense on a whole nother side note is uh, 11th in the conference too, giving up almost 200 yards per game. So are you surprised that, oh, and then they are next to last in the conference too in pass efficiency. So are you surprised that John Donovan got fired or are you surprised that he lasted this long? I'm more surprised that he lasted this long. I mean, it's when they didn't immediately recover after losing to Montana, when they didn't look offensively competent in the next couple of weeks, when it became really clear that the running backs that they decided to sit earlier in the season were their best shot at actually scoring any points this year, then that's when you should have made a move. There also should have been some internal discussion as to why all of the receivers bailed on this season before it even started. Why three of their top four receivers transferred out of the program. That probably should have kicked off some internal conversations about what they were going to be, what what the expectations for the season were going to be, and if and if those weren't met, what was going to happen, what the next move would be. Yeah, but isn't firing your offensive coordinator for style of play like isn't that a cop out though on 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 some level because the head coach he decided this he hired him after you know. Like John John Donovan, he may, may be a nice man. I've met him once. He was cool. But he didn't have the qualifications to be an offensive coordinator. His last stop was like he was an assistant running backs coach in Jacksonville or the running backs coach. And then he was at Penn State. Prior to that, their offense was terrible. He gets fired. Joe Moorhead comes in. Their points per game go up by like 18 or 19. So there wasn't any evidence that he was a good offensive coordinator. Jimmy Lake just wanted somebody that he could that would be willing to play old intellectual brutality football, which doesn't work anymore. Well, if you're going to kick the blame up the ladder, you probably need to lay some at Chris Peterson's feet. He quit. He quit on the team, put Jimmy Lake in charge without the network or support. Meanwhile, Chris Peterson's coming back. He's coming back to University of Washington in the capacity of like name, image, and middle man, agent. Yeah. Yeah. Bagman? Chris Peterson. Bagman. So he's like, Chris Peterson's coming back around after a year off to have involvement with the University of Washington football program. If we knew that Chris Peterson was going to continue to have involvement with the University of Washington football program, he probably should have had a little bit more say in in you know, and maybe he took that as a show of respect of like, all right, Jimmy, it's literally all yours. But he went in and he gutted the part of the staff that he didn't necessarily think would be uh, best suit his purposes or be loyal to him. Jordan Pow Pow's down in Arizona. You got other guys that that they got moved um, away from, and then the hire that he ends up making ends up not being qualified. And and it's hard to know if you've never been in this position before, and Jimmy Lake hasn't. It's hard to know when to pull the trigger and when to make a change. And when not to just have faith in in your people to do better. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This is man. 
And now on, I guess, to what what happened in the game. So we'll we'll start out the recaps, I guess, with the Oregon with the Oregon Washington game. This game was played on the road. And even on television, it, isn't it crazy when you're watching television, when they show some angles, you can't tell that that it's raining. But then from other angles that you can tell that it's pissing outside, dude, that it's just coming down super bad. And then the they didn't even talk about how bad the wind was. I talked to two people who were at the game who weren't players, who were former uh, college players. And they said, this is the worst weather they have ever been a part of. They were like, there was no way to throw the ball in that game. If the, <laughs> if if people are talking about a worst ever in Seattle, then you know it must have been bad. The coldest I've ever been at a football game was the Arizona State uh, at Washington game about three, four years ago. And it was, I mean, I was miserable. So you can deal with the cold. It's the the wind. It, Yes, it's the, the damn wind. wind. Yes. Yes, because wind is wind affects football games like wind affects airplanes. It's the most dangerous thing to it. It makes it hard to pass the ball, everything else. So, and then Jimmy Lane. Makes it so you can't feel your hands and arms yeah. and you go running into stuff harder than you should and yeah, what a mess. I've never seen and in my draft seen every single Washington game that Jimmy Lake has been the head coach. I have not one time ever seen him as animated, demonstrative, and excited as he was that game. Like, he wanted to win that game with every single ounce of his body. And then that ended up translating over into his players, and it's a rivalry game. He was talking trash earlier in the week where he said that Oregon is not their recruiting rival, that they recruit against teams with more academic prowess like USC and Notre Dame. And I was like, and that led to an embarrassment for the university where you can't say that as a coach. And then the other part is, especially not after they flipped two of your recruits. Right. And and then, so he had to go on radio. He had to say that he had respect for Oregon as an academic institution. He had the pregame interview where he also had to reiterate that. And then they go out on the field and emotions are high. And you can tell that uh, that Cristobal is also, you know, pissed off, but he's saving it for later and uh and then we get into a situation um which is uh the reason why jimmy lake isn't coaching this week uh and and that is um jalen red and ruperaki fuavai got into it on the washington sideline and as they were being separated um with fuavai backing into the washington sideline you had a couple of coaches um, step in between. You had Jalen Red dragged back off the field, probably a good three seconds after they were separated. Jimmy Lake comes running over and he takes the play sheet that's in his hand and he hits Fuvai in in the head. Yeah. And Fuvai then turns around to walk away and Jimmy Lake shoves him in the back toward the bench. And I tweeted the clip of this. You tweeted the clip of this. Um it didn't. Man, it got a. It got a few retweets on the night of, but mostly it just got a bunch of Washington fans tagging Jen Cohen, the athletic director, in it, asking if he can be fired for cause. 
And I, I think they were half joking and half serious in doing that. But then Jen Cohen ended up addressing it after the game. And Jimmy Lake ended up having to answer a question about it after the game in which he said that he was just separating them and didn't strike his player. Uh, he did. He hit him in the head. I don't, I don't know what you want to call it. But then they reviewed it. Everybody's focusing on that. It was the push after that (laughs) made it worse. Yeah. 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 And and we'll get into that in a second. But what ends up happening is they Jimmy Lake fires John Donovan. And then the next day, Jimmy Lake gets suspended for this week's Arizona State game and then issues a statement saying that he understands the decision and and is looking to, you know, be better and do different from here. Meanwhile, my replies and mentions and quote tweets for several days now uh, and reignited by the fact that he got suspended have just been people calling me a giant pussy for tweeting out this video in the first place. I didn't make any judgments on it or anything like that. I just, I watched Pac-12 football all day. I tweeted out the clip is an interesting thing that happened. You don't see this happen very often. And uh, anyway, um, so definitely endured uh, some online hostility. Uh, I think it's up to like 500 something replies, most of which are telling me that um, uh, I am whatever, uh, whatever uh, John Gruden referred to uh, Roger Goodell as. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's been an interesting couple of days, but I think. I think the thing that I'm asking you, George, is most people are like, well, that these players today never could have survived in in my day. I, do I don't remember like I played football in the nineties and in the early two thousands. I don't remember coaches doing this. Like Listen, and I covered I never, high school football I for never, a decade. Never, never. I and I had a crazy man I played for in, in high school. Never who who would be like um he'd be like Son, you can screw up a free lunch. Son, you can fuck up a wet dream. <laughs> like, bro, he was a maniac, but he never put his hands on anybody that I that I saw. And he damn sure didn't do it to me. And in college, never had it happen. Never. So, I've covered high school football for the last 10 years, going up to 30 games a year. And the only coach I ever saw put his hands on anybody did it twice and got suspended at both schools that he did it at. Yes. And he's like, it is not common actively breaking up the fight and pushed his player back. Nobody would be saying anything. It's just the fact that, that he hit him. And then it's the push after it's the push after mind you, we have to keep the, it, it like exacerbated the situation it magnified it like immensely. You just don't. I mean, it, it's it's weird because you have all these people saying that like, oh, football is soft. Football is dead. Football is going to be gone in 10 years because of this. Again, you played in the NFL. You played in college. You played in high school. I played in high school. I cover college, covered high school. I This is so rare. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I don't understand where all these hundreds of people are coming out of the woodworks to say, like, my coach did a lot worse to me. Call the fucking police then. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Your coach did worse to you. <laughs> no, adults shouldn't be putting their hands on other people's kids. Uh, parents should really question the methods with which they put their hands on their own kids. You and I have talked about it on Rice to Wrong. That like, what if I ever spank my kids? It's like I'm t- I spank them in reaction to them hitting each other. 
and I'll like pop, pop one on the button, say, keep your hands to yourself. And in my head, I realize the cognitive dissonance in the moment. Like I'm telling them don't hit. And then I'm hitting them. Right. Like keep, and, and, and in this case, Jimmy Lake's like, I just wanted him to keep his composure. Like, so you lost your composure. Like, yeah, it, and it was and like you pointed out is super uncharacteristic because he's been like uh, unseasonably calm through some of their struggles um, earlier in the season. But you can't get around the fact that like it, I, I want to ask all these people, but there'd be too many of them to ask. Would are you comfortable pushing and shoving someone else's kid? And if the answer is yes, then you shouldn't be co- like you just shouldn't be coaching. Yeah. Like if you're com- it, it, because there are other methods and like science backs this up. I know that everybody thinks science is for liberals or whatever, but like so that the, that there are particular methods of learning that help people retain information and physical contact is pretty rare. Uh, like there are some people who need um, physical contact as far as like a buffer between them and somebody else to actually stop them from fighting. But there are a lot more people who draw energy from that physical contact kicks off even more testosterone and, and, and exacerbates the situation. So I don't know. I, but at the same time, I look at what Jimmy Lake did and I was like, there's obviously no intent here. None. Like I, to me, I don't see intent. And, and I don't yeah, think that should matter mean, it, whether it or not he's suspended. No, it wasn't premeditated, but it definitely was damn sure like that he just lost control in, right. in, in, in the moment. And I don't think that this is a fireable offense, but you are going to have people that want that because they want a pound of flesh because they are tired of what is going on at the University of Washington. Now, you always say you always say that you wouldn't be cool with it. As long as it was like if a coach did something to your you, you judge it through the lens of your son who is yes. playing high school football right now. Yep. All right. So your son gets bopped in the head and pushed in the back. We got a problem. <laughs> okay. We got a problem. Yeah. That's a, and I, I look at it is um that there were other ways and you, this was a choice. This wasn't an inevitability. And I feel like a lot of the people in my mentions are like, no, if you don't get the urge to hit someone else's kid, you're doing life wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know what to like. I don't know how to react to that because it's. I mean, I'm sure everybody gets the urge to like. To you know, slap a kid upside the head who has an attitude or whatever. But like, that's what separates you from them is that you're, you're not, we don't give to do your, it. Yeah. Right. That you're, do you have impulse control? Like impulse control is the thing that separates. This is going to sound terrible, but I, I, I think you'll feel me on this. Impulse control is the thing that separates people from living their life out in the open and being incarcerated. Like 99% of the people who are justifiably incarcerated, their primary issue in life is impulse control. Yep. Of like, I felt something in the moment and I either acted or overreacted on it in an inappropriate manner. And that's not to say that Jimmy Lake belongs in jail, but like he, he had a choice. People are acting like he didn't have a choice in that moment. And I don't understand that. You're telling me that he literally can't control himself well then he should be more than suspended why aren't all these other coaches doing this during every game there's 60 some odd uh d1 games 
every single week and you're saying that every one of these coaches should be grabbing and pushing and hitting their kids every time somebody gets into a scuffle on the field? Yeah, no, they the, they know they know better, man. And but those same people are calling Nikola Jokic dirty for shoving Markeith Morris from behind. Uh, not not me, buddy. Not me. All right. So now <laughs> on to the game, though. Were you impressed by what? 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 I'll give you my takeaways first. Is that Oregon spotted them nine points? They did, and but. It was very clear and very very evident that as soon as Oregon got got the lead, the game was over. Like it wasn't it wasn't particularly close because Washington couldn't do anything offensively. So yeah, yeah. So and uh, I thought that this was probably the best performance by the Oregon defense of the of the year, and this team is clearly getting getting better. Anthony Brown didn't have to do very much <laughs> because of the weather, but when was asked to make a play after that horrible first pick, he did okay. Yeah, you want to talk about Travis Dye? Who is one of my all-time favorite Ducks players? <laughs> Always has been, right? Yes. Okay, shout out to the to the the longtime listeners of the Pac-12 Apostles podcast that are cursing at their uh, whatever device they're listening through right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so if you're new here, uh Ralph has tried to say that I hate Travis Dye and I don't Whoa. I just What? I no 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 you have tried to say that Travis Dye is uh is a in baseball terms would have a war of zero. <laughs> You're trying to say that like there's not there, there wasn't necessarily anything special about about correct. Him, I did, football player. but that's it. That that yeah. it wasn't. You never said he was bad. You no. were never a hater. No, when you are a hater, it's very evident. Yes, um, you never said anything bad about Travis Die. You just bristled at the idea of me saying that he needs to get the ball more. <laughs> and the dude. I apologize. The, the, <laughs> the, the dude is good. He, I did not think he had all of this in him, and he's running harder too. Which is, I l- l- listen. He stepped. He stepped up, and he's on the list now, buddy. All right. He eleven hundred yards and twelve touchdowns, and they're within the college football playoff discussion. And could, he's the could, best player on the offense. If if he if he has a couple more good games, he could get an invite to New York, buddy. He should if uh, if if it plays out that way. If it plays out that way, he should. That'll be wild, bro. Um, <laughs> hey, you know then, I'm gonna be going back and cutting old clips up if that happens. Hold on, check this. Check this out, though. What happens? Because you know how much Oregon fans and people around the country, Anthony Brown has been much maligned. What happens if they go to the college football playoff and win, and he wins? If Anthony Brown wins in the a college football playoff, uh, then we go right into NFL draft season where they start shitting on him all over again. There's not going to be like this happened to Alabama quarterbacks so many times uh, before the, before Alabama started getting like real dudes, right? Yeah. Like Alabama would win a national championship with uh, uh, somebody with an Eli Manning haircut, and uh, and then 
we'd have a huge argument as soon as the season's over about whether or not they're worth anything as a human being because they're not some shiny NFL prospect. So uh, I think we'd just be right in the middle of that. But if you look at Anthony Brown's stats oh, on, the, on the whole, uh, they're not terrible. Yeah. yeah like, but he got a three to one touchdown to interception ratio with 428 yards rushing and seven touchdowns. He put the ball in the end zone 19 times and he's only turned it over four or five times. That's pretty good. 64% completion percentage, not terrible. Eight yards an attempt, not terrible. Like he's not, he's not out there winning these games by himself, but they also, uh, as, as much as, as much as they've got a lot of recruiting talent at the receiver position, much like Arizona State, it is yet, they have yet to have somebody come in and like demand that kind of attention demand the ball the way a Drake London uh, is at, at USC. So you have to say if everybody's just kind of above average on the outside, then you have to give more credit to Anthony Brown. Um, or there's people who would look at that and say maybe it's his fault. But I don't know. I, I think there, there's still not a single player on the team uh, that is a receiver that is averaging three catches a game. Not even Travis Dye is averaging three catches a game. He's just below it. And so it's pretty wild that Oregon is sitting where they're at right now without a dominant offensive performer uh, in the receiver position. Yeah, that's coming. It's being done by committee. And, yeah, and a lot of that is Devin Williams stepping up now. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. On to the game from Friday night. Utah at Stanford. This was a bloodbath, dude. 52-7. to I mean, good God. Tavion Thomas is probably going to be Pac-12 player of the year. I mean, or maybe Micah Bernard or... TJ Pledger, who all, all, yes, all three of those guys rushed for 100 yards against Stanford. Stanford gave up 441 yards rushing and six touchdowns. 
Ralph, I those are passing numbers. Those are numbers that you give up when you're playing against USC in a shootout or or Mike Leach Washington State teams. This is that was embarrassing, bro. That was a new low for Stanford. I shut this game off. I almost never do that. I shut this game off at it was thirty eight to zero at yeah, half. At half. Yeah, that's 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 where I quit. Um. I didn't. I just. I. I did not think that there was a single thing that I was going to learn from Stanford in the second half. No matter what, I knew they weren't going to come back to win. But I just didn't think that there was anything that I was. There's just not a single thing that I would know about Stanford based on the last two quarters that I didn't already know. And come to find out, you know, Utah scoring two more times is just incredibly disrespectful. Uh. That well, they put everybody in, bro. They ran it 40. They only threw the ball 22 times. What else do you want them to do? Dude, it was 52 to 7. I mean, this was a case of Utah just bludgeoning them. (laughs) I mean, what? What what other word can we can, can we use? And Utah's now won five out of their last six games. Only game they lost was against Oregon State. And they have just been just road grading people. Yeah. Hey, how sick was that Devin Lloyd interception? Yes. <laughs> like that was uh I I you never replicate that again if you tried. And he also had five tackles for a law. He pretty much wrapped up Pac twelve defensive player of the year. Um assuming assuming voters look at Devin Lloyd and say like, oh, he got three more games in than Kayvon. It's real the games between Utah and Oregon are actually probably going to matter most for whether or not Kayvon Thibodeau or Devin Lloyd is taking home hardware at the end of the season. Yeah, and, or, uh, that's or cool. Travis Dye or um, or Tavion, Tavion Thomas. Thomas. I, yeah, I could see that. I, it took Thomas a while to get there. Um, what's crazy to me is that Tavion Thomas could be the feature back at Cincinnati right now had he not transferred. I know. That's that's wild, dude. I mean, he's got yeah. – He could help Cincinnati. He could help Cincinnati by beating Oregon. He could help his old team. Mm-mm. Can't, can't, <laughs> can't do it. All right. Uh, the next game up, we had Cal at Arizona. Arizona broke their 20-game losing streak over 700 and some odd days, two full years from uh, the time that they won a football game. They won 10-3. to It was 0-0 at halftime. Ralph, this was – I felt like a crazy person for watching that game. I, I was like, I must be a sicko because I'm I watching you, this game. <laughs> I saw you tweet that out. Uh, it was terrible. And – I've heard a lot of people in the aftermath of this Arizona win say that a win is a win and nobody's going to remember that it came uh, against a team that had one third of their team held out by the state of California or the city of Berkeley or whatever. Um, No, that is not true. I absolutely put a giant effing asterisk. asterisk. Yes. Big time. Bro, are you kidding me? I think it would. It could have been competitive uh, either way. Uh, and if I'm Arizona, then, I, you know, I'll take the win. But I'm also frustrated that, like, that there are people like me out there that are going to look at that win and be like, OK, nice win. 
Like a nice win. Come on. Dude, it, it it just took all and and I know this that this had to take all the wind out of Arizona sales because it was a win, but you're sitting there like, but but did we really would we have won this game anyway? They uh yeah, that, that that's a good question. They did move the ball pretty well. Um in in stages in this game, I think they uh they outgained Cal like three to one. 340 yards to 122 total yards for Cal. Cal had nobody though. Yep. Dude, like they Cal- literally had nobody. <laughs> it was it, it was really terrible to watch. Will Plummer showed some toughness. He still threw two picks, but he got his shoulder banged up. He had a cut on his hand. There's blood everywhere. And they stuck it out. And you could you could genuinely like when that game was three three and Arizona was driving at the end, it felt very inevitable. Like the depth of Cal was so low that the fact that they were I mean, they they were playing true freshmen that shouldn't be on the field yet. It was it was brutal, man. It was and, – and, and shout out to the guys who went out there and, 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 and just did what they could for Cal. Um, I'm not mad at them. You know, Daniel Scott, eight solo tackles. They um, – Cameron Good had a sack. Ethan Saunders had a sack. They had three interceptions as a team. Um, they they did what they could to put the offense in in a position to win. I was at one point yelling at the television because they Ryan Glover just wasn't getting it done, and they had a guy named Kai Milner who I watched play at Arizona High School football, of course, uh, down here. And I just wanted you know them to to give him a shot to go out there and do something, and and they they stuck with Glover all the way through. He finished with ninety four yards passing. He didn't turn the ball over, um, but they didn't move the ball, and that was the um, you know, that that was definitely the worst part. And, and Arizona's defense, you know, uh, Keon Bars had uh, two and a half sacks plus a dick punch. I don't know if you caught that, George. Yes, I, I only saw it because you posted it on Twitter. That's the only reason why I saw it. Keon Bars' dick punch was worse than Jimmy Lake's back shove. <laughs> yeah, dude, because he turned around on the ground and just full on just, just blocked him. <laughs> You could see him slowly make a fist. <laughs> oh, that was bad, bad. Yep. Don't do that. If you if if you're out there, you're considering doing it. Don't. <laughs> that was awful, man. But I I I'm not going to completely rain on Arizona's parade. They got to win. I when the students rushed the field, I had two thoughts. One. Hell yes, because if you go to University of Arizona, this might be the first time you've ever seen a win. Uh, and two, Cal's entire team just got held out due to COVID. Please don't breathe on the players. Right? Dude, they only <laughs> had like 30 players. It was- I was like, you're going to find out Arizona next week is now missing 30 players because the students <laughs> rushed the field. <laughs> Bro. Uh- at Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. All right. Uh, Oregon State at Colorado. This was a shocking result. Shocking result, which led to Oregon State's defensive coordinator being fired. Because Colorado, they have not... They got their third win, and they won this game in overtime, 37-34. to 34. Colorado scoring 37 points. Let me read to you their previous point totals. 7-7-0-13-14-0-3-29, and now 34. Bro, I'm sorry, 37. I, I, I apologize. How <laughs> shocking when... As the game was going on, I was like, what the hell is going on? Because Colorado was up, I think, 10-0, then I think 13-0, then 13-10 at halftime. Then I was like, okay, Oregon State's starting to come back. And it never materialized, bro. Never did. Right. And I think the one thing that Oregon State has shown this year is that they are not a come-from-behind team. They need that momentum. Um. You know, and and so for for Brendan Lewis to lead two scoring drives in the first quarter, that really won them this game because it, it put it put Oregon State in a position where their back was against the wall all game long. Um, Brendan Lewis, say what you want about his inability to move the team down the field, he still doesn't turn the ball over much. He doesn't he doesn't like take away chances for your team. He's Correct. got how many how many uh, interceptions do you think he has? Over the course of the season, nine games, three. That is correct. Three interceptions, and so he. It, and that also is more infuriating because they're not able to score more, even though they're not turning though, the ball over. Like that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, like they're not turning the ball over and still couldn't couldn't score. But but uh, Shiv- Shiverini has clearly gotten the message. Like there was probably a come to Jesus like, listen, you score points or you're getting fired. Period. Yeah, someone someone was losing their job in this game and it was either going to be probably Colorado's offensive coordinator who has lasted through three different uh head coaches or Oregon State's defensive coordinator and and you know we we saw the result. I do wonder if if Oregon State had pulled this off in overtime if they make that move because I think it was probably justified regardless. Colorado's got to be pretty proud of themselves, though, because B.J. Baylor had 13 carries for 18 yards in this game. Yeah, That's a tough dude to stop. And the fact that Oregon State was even able to come back without him helping um, is incredible. I mean, uh, over total rushing yards, total rushing yards in this game uh, was 400. Eight. Wait, for a what? 
Oregon State had eight total rushing yards, 27 attempts for eight yards, and Wait, three what touchdowns. What game are you looking at? Oregon State, Colorado. They rushed for 220 yards. Colorado did. No, Oregon State rushed for 220 yards. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. B.J. Baylor had 13 attempts for 18 yards. Jack Coletto had two attempts for nine yards. That was their leading rushers. What am I looking at then? You're looking at Colorado. Colorado had 222 Bro, yards rushing. I'm on the ESPN site right now with the 30. Then they got it. Then they got it mixed up they, for sure. They have B.J. Baylor, 22 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown. What? Then what am I looking at? <laughs> I'm on college football reference. <laughs> Bro, that – okay, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. The way We, we got to go to Yahoo or something. We got to – No, 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 we, no. I'm going straight to the Pac-12 all website. Right. Um, no. I'll go to Yahoo so that we have four yeah. different sources on I'm, this. I'm, I'm on College Football Press press Box. Okay. Where we are – oh, God, I forgot my damn uh, password. <laughs> All right. So I'm on Yahoo. I'm pulling up the game right now. It says BJ Baylor had 22 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown. What in the hell? I'm going to have to send you a screenshot of what I'm looking at. Insane, right? So <laughs> well, which so which is it? Dude, it's got to be that. It's got to be that, bro. What it- in the world? Did it just stop taking stats at halftime or something? I don't know, bro. I don't know. And that's why when, when you were talking, I was like, what the hell is Ralph talking about? Um, I am. I'm on uh, here. I'm a, I'm a, I'm sending it to you right now. That's it is insane to me. <laughs> yeah. I have BJ Baylor at 13 carries for 18 yards. That is a big difference between, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to assume that you're telling the truth. Cause we have two sources two sources that, that, that say otherwise. Um, anyway, uh, still held him under a hundred yards regardless. I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just need you to click the link. I just sent you just to prove that I'm not insane. All right. W- w- all right. <laughs> all right. Okay. So I will click the link, bro. This is hilarious, but, um, yeah, so I guess we can move on to the next game. I guess. <laughs> we we have uh, we have conflicting sources yeah, here. College, college football sports sports references rare. I don't think I've seen a time where they were wrong. I know. I don't know. That's weird. Hmm. Well, it is what it is, I guess. I, I pulled up College Press Box, and B.J. Baylor had 98 yards rushing. Yep. Well, all, right. all I watched, full disclosure, I only watched the fourth quarter in overtime of this game. I watched <laughs> from I watched from uh, uh, the Trishon Harrison touchdown reception and then the uh, Montana Lamonius Craig um, touchdown catch so when i started watching it was 20 to 17 um colorado uh late in the third quarter and i guess i mean i did see bj baylor score in overtime uh in the first overtime 
Um, and I just assumed maybe that was all the yards he got for the whole game. Yep. I was wrong. <laughs> all right. Uh, on to the last game. USC at Arizona State. USC 16, Arizona State 31. And Jaden Daniels was 11 for 20 for 145 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, and they won a football game. How? How? Because they rushed the ball 42 times for 282 yards and four touchdowns. So uh, everybody was all excited for USC. They're like, oh, my God, Keontae Ingram rushed for 200 yards last last week. Well, this week, 14 for 54. They ran for 92 total yards. And they split reps between uh, Jackson Dart and Keaton Slovis. Jackson Dart didn't look good. Neither did Keaton Slovis. Both threw an interception. I guess we can start with the USC situation and their quarterbacks. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this two-quarterback thing? Because if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I don't really know. Um. Unless Dante Williams has some type of um, indication that he's actually in the running to get this job. I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because if he, I would assume that if he did have an indication that the job was going to be his, then maybe you just roll with the young guy in, in Jackson Dart and start planning for the future. I, I honestly don't know. They're looking for someone to win the job at the end of the season when they're trying to become bowl eligible, taking people out of rhythm. It, it was weird because for the majority of the game, the quarterback that looked the most comfortable was Keaton Slovis. Yep. But I think 10 of the 16 points all in the first half were on Jackson Dart drives. Yes. Yep. But Dart looked very bad. Correct. At, at, in the second half, he was, he was eight for seventeen. They run an air raid, and they both averaged a less combined less than three yards an attempt. I don't even think I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah, it was bad, dude. It was bad. Um, what did you make of of this of this team and their like of USC just in general? Because without Without Drake London, who's one of the best wide receivers in the country, if not the best, they got nothing, dude. They get Todd, Todd Washington had a nice game, nine for 76. Gary Bryant upped his total, six for 64. This team looks terrible, dude. Terrible. And like firing Clay Helton, I don't know if this made them better or worse. This team's horrible sitting at four and five. I do think it made them worse. I don't think the players completely understand what it is they're playing for. Or who they're playing for, the coach. The recruiting doesn't match the philosophy, which is good for whoever comes in next, in my opinion. Because they they got guys like Malcolm X and Eric Cromenhook and a couple of other tight ends, actually, that all would fit within a traditional offense and actually would have been able to do some damage against this Arizona State defense and don't make use of any of them. They have talent. Like Gary Bryant Jr., you and I both know, 
is very talented. Todd Washington has proved it on a high level at USC and then at, at, and as well at, at Memphis. Michael Jackson is going to be a very good receiver. Um, Kyle Ford is, is serviceable. Like the the idea that they're not able to use the the players that they have to inflict damage on other Pac-12 teams is inexplicable. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense to me, but I do think that whoever is going to come in and take over has to look at what isn't being used and say like, ah, I could probably do some stuff with it because it's not an untalented team. Yeah, but they're not as talented as USC is quote unquote supposed to be. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I mean, and even their best defensive player, Drake Jackson, doesn't look effective at all. I, I, I don't – I mean, I mean, is it Todd, Todd Orlando? Is it – what? what is it? He's only uh, – Drake Jackson only has 21 tackles on the season. Drake Jackson is a pass rushing specialist. How often have they been up forcing the other team to throw? Bro, I – I don't know, man. Like th- this looked like a kid who was going to be able to come out and for sure be a first round draft pick. I don't even know where he lands right right now if he does come out. But he got he's going to do it. Like he's got to. I look at I look at USC's schedule and I'm a little bit worried cuz they got to get two wins to be bowl eligible, right? Yeah. Are those two wins going to come? want that though. I think like, Dante probably does. Yeah, yeah, wants but a coach I mean, in a bowl. Like, are the players in on that? That's what I'm saying. That's a good question. It's a it, it's a good question. Um, I think that they need the extra practices. I think that um, I think that it would be good for them to go to a bowl, but they're going to have to beat Cal and BYU, or Cal and UCLA. Or if they lose to Cal, they're going to have to beat UCLA and BYU. Do you think that that can happen? Two wins in their next three, that's tough. I give that that a less than 50-50 chance. Yeah. They are lucky they get BYU at home. I think that they would be shook having to go to Provo in the last week of the season for Thanksgiving. They're not beating BYU. They're not. Might as well get that out of of their brain. They're not beating them. So – can they find? Can they beat Cal and UCLA? The answer to that is no. To they're not going to beat both. They may beat one. They're not going to beat both. And they, and I don't think they beat UCLA because Chip's coaching for his job right now. So yeah. Do you think that that UCLA game matters more to USC or UCLA? UCLA by far. It's not. It's not even close. USC season is over. It's just a matter of if they can get to a bowl game. But then if you go to a bowl game, who's going to coach your bowl game? Like the the recruiting at USC right now is weird because Dante's out recruiting and the guys are out recruiting. But when the new coach comes in, who's going to keep that? Like who are are they going to keep anybody on that staff? I mean, it seems logical to keep Dante, but like what he's acting head coach and he was associate head coach prior to that. So like he would have to take a demotion to, to stay there. 
it would be very tough if I was the most in-demand coach in college football and I was weighing whether to go to USC or LSU or anywhere else. And LSU was telling me, do whatever you want. And USC was telling me, you have to keep Dante. Right? Like, I think that would be a deal breaker if one team is giving you complete control and the other one has the university uh, president or athletic director telling you who you can and can't keep. That automatically makes one job better than another. Dante Williams is an asset. Somebody's going to scoop him up if USC doesn't hold on to him and they're going to be better for it talent-wise. But my whole thing is the massive advantage that USC has in that all those players that if this was any other school might jump into the transfer portal to find a better situation for them. I feel like most of these players are at USC because they want to be at USC. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see a bunch of players hit the transfer portal. Once Dante Williams is demoted and a new coach comes in, they might, there might be some that are forced out because you could do that. Now you can straight up cut players. Chip Kelly did it. Herm Edwards did it. Like there might be some players that are, that are pushed out, but I don't think you're going to see a flood of talent trying to get out of L.A. No, 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 because they feel like they'll be in a better situation going forward with whoever the next head coach is going to be. So that's what I'm saying is whoever like whoever takes this job, they're going to immediately be better because there's going to be the same talented kids. They're going to be more bought in. Um, the Pac-12 is a mess. You really only have to worry about Utah in the South right now. And but would you even take the job if they were already mandating that you had to keep certain coaches on staff, especially a ones that might confuse the power is not dynamic. going to do it. A, a big name. If they get a quote unquote big name head coach like they like they want, they're not going to force him to keep anybody on on staff. As well, you don't want to confuse the signals or the power dynamic in the first place. Keep Dante Williams on and then the players don't know who's in charge. Yeah, because then because then that creates a situation to where, hey, man, Dante good no matter what. So, you know, so so I'll go to him for that. Yeah, it creates a weird. You don't want anybody in your program with made man status. Yep. That's a fact. All right. Um, now on to our Pac-12 power rankings, and they have gotten continuously more difficult as the weeks have gone on. Aside from the number one spot, and for the first time, our consensus number two team did not lose, Ralph. So congratulations to Utah. You were able to hold on to the spot, and our consensus number three team didn't lose because they didn't play So um, <laughs> uh, from, from last week. So, Ralph, what is your 12 through 7? I have uh, Arizona still at 12. Forgive me, U of A fans. Uh, Stanford dropped down to 11 from 10. I had Colorado go up one spot, and uh, they probably should have gone up more, but the the way the middle of these rankings are, I don't really know what to do. Washington stays at number 9. USC uh, stays at number 8 from last week, and then uh, I actually had Cal drop from 4 to seven um they were at 10 two weeks ago so they're the team that seems to have bounced around the most all right i have arizona at 12 i have stanford at 11 
I mean, I should probably put Stanford at 12 because I because because I feel like that if. Yep. I'm putting Stanford at 12 because <laughs> with the way that I just saw them play foot football, I think Arizona would probably be favored against them. So Stanford is the worst team in the conference now. Um, Arizona's number 11. USC 10. That team is in shambles, bro. Washington at nine. Cal at eight. Oregon State at seven. Okay. Um, I have Oregon State at six, which it's hard for me to have them four spots ahead of Colorado after what just happened, but I'm trying to look at it on the season as a whole and not just the the results of of what happened in overtime. Um, UCLA at five. They did not play last week and managed to move up two in my rankings, so who knows how that happened. Uh, Arizona State at four, up two spots from six last week. Washington State at three. Utah at two, and Oregon at one. All right, so we have, I have Colorado at six. Results matter. (laughs) And it's a recency bias, I know. Um, uh, UCLA at five, they didn't play. Arizona State at four. They got a nice win. Um, a it, d- Despite Jaden Daniels not playing well, which is, I mean, he, he'll be back next year somewhere, um, even if it's not at Arizona State. Washington State at three, Utah at two, and Oregon at one. Like, one through, one through four were pretty easy. Um, but now on to Arizona State, because b- before we get to this week's preview, Um, There was a controversy that happened at Arizona State. And so I just said that Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, did not play well. Threw two picks, was only 11 for 20. And this season, he's looked extremely underwhelming. Like, this is not the guy that we all thought was going to be a potential first-round NFL pick last year right like it's no i'm sorry two years ago after his freshman year i remember i wrote about it i was like yo if this this dude's the future of the pac-12 he's got a shot and antonio pierce retweeted it everything and now this season we're looking at a dude with 1800 yards seven touchdowns seven picks through the through the air and another couple of uh, another few rushing touchdowns on the ground. But, bro, this is not I don't even know what to make of him at this point point in time. Like, is it him or is it the coaching? And then that led to uh, Jordan Simone, who is a longtime uh, what was an Arizona State football player, beloved worked for the university sort of in a third party pl- play uh, role where he represented the university would be on the sidelines doing uh, post-game pre-game interviews all that stuff and he went on to speak at the devil's podcast and ralph got him fired i did not get him fired so speak of the devil's podcast is a it's a, a podcast that covers um arizona state it is run by Brad Denny and Joe Healy. It is put out by the local CBS TV station, um, their website, ArizonaFamily.com. It is non-controversial. 
It is super informational. It is very fan-friendly. I've been a guest on the show a bunch. You've been a guest on the show. They had Jordan Simone on, I think, twice in the last month. And this last time, Jordan Simone just said, like, look, the players don't even realize they're not getting the best coaching. I don't think Herm is the guy. I don't think Jaden Daniels has shown the leadership skills necessary to fill the leadership vacuum that obviously exists in this team. They just lost 34-7, to or they were down 34-7 to to Washington State at home in front of the 1996 Rose Bowl team that was being honored at halftime. It's not fair to that team. It's not fair to the paying fans. It's not fair to the boosters for Arizona State uh, to be playing this way, so I'm off the Herm train right and that and and i think he also maybe alluded to the fact that he believes some assistants are getting ready to head on to whatever their next thing is um based on the 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 direction that the ncaa investigation is headed so he uh is uh contracted out it's one of those things where the school runs the the broadcast uh but not officially he's not technically a university employee um but it has the the broadcast, the sideline reporter role. He it does need to be, um, you are sort of in a cheerleader role, and so they got offended. They reached out to a bunch of media members and said, like, "Hey, tell your people and your subscribers and your readers that the stuff that Jordan Simone said about our coaching staff is not true." And so some of those reporters started to disseminate that information. Um, without having even listened to the show or anything like that, and then. Um, Jordan Simone announced on social media that he had been fired. Arizona State fans came out almost universally in support of Jordan Simone. Uh, And then from that point, the university kept reaching out to media members to say like, hey, you know, I see that everybody seems to be on on Simone's side. He actually can't do this. He can't do this. You had some media members say like, ASU reached out to me and I'm still on Simone's side. And so, you know, it, it, it was a weird thing. People made some free speech arguments that probably weren't necessarily appropriate for the situation. And then ASU goes out and wins and you have Chase Lucas after the game say like, hey, if you're in operating in the capacity of media and you're saying stuff like we quit on our team or we quit on our coaches or our coaches quit on us, you're doing nothing but tearing this uh, team apart. And if you are in the city of Tempe and you are not supporting the team, no matter what, you know, all your you're, you're creating the division and uh, the lack of buy-in and the results that you're upset about. And so it was just kind of an interesting week of, you know, Jordan Simone, who's beloved, Chase Lucas, for the most part, is beloved. And, uh, and, and these, I think these are the hallmarks of a team that's kind of in peril. And they're, they're embroiled in all sorts of weird stuff right now, and the results haven't matched what I believed that they would do. I don't know where you thought they'd be before the season. I thought that they'd be an 11-win team. I think that you, you, you probably at least thought that they'd be – um, they with wouldn't have gone down schedule, 34 to seven. Yeah. 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 With their schedule, I think I had them at nine wins. Right. Which is still within reach technically. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was a pretty dramatic week in Arizona state football. Jordan Simone, not only gets fired from his broadcast, but his ultimate dream of being part of the PAC 12 network, probably dead now. Why? Um, why do you say that? Cause they're not going to hire on somebody who, who one of the schools is uncomfortable with. Why not, bro? Because you don't I mean, you don't have to agree with people. And then if you're in an analyst role, you don't have to like, yes, some people aren't going to like you because you do have to say some uncomfortable things. So I don't see any problem with him getting on at the Pac-12 networks. It's just a matter of what the Pac-12 networks are going to look like at that point in time. 
Right. But I, I do know that ASU would protest. They absolutely would. And they thought that they were doing the right thing by protecting their quarterback, protecting the play. I don't think they were as worried about the coaches um, as they were believing that they were doing something good for the players by dismissing Simone from his responsibilities. Um, Simone would trade losing his job for uh, some more ASU wins because he's a crazy person. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting situation. I don't know where you land. I think the ASU is fully within their uh, purview to do what they did. Um, yeah. But, you know, if they had sure. the option to just tell him and reiterate to him what his contract said and what he is and isn't allowed to do, that probably would have been better than having everybody jump on his side, even though his side isn't really even a side and say that, you know, they fired the wrong person. They should have got rid of everybody, but him, you know, obviously that's not going to be the reality of the situation. No, I, I agree with you there. Um, now on to this week's preview, uh, the games this week, because these games matter, the lines on these games are tough, dude. It doesn't on its face look like it's going to be, you know, any close games. But we know that this is the Pac-12 weirdo stuff happens. So first game up, we do not have another Friday game. Thank God. Uh, First game up we have is an 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday on the Pac-12 network. Utah at Arizona. Utah's favored by 24 over under 54. Where you at, Ralph? If they run the ball and only run the ball, then it's probably going to be a wrap early. And I promise I'm not just reacting to what happened uh, against Stanford. This Arizona team defensively is improving. They have a lot more buy-in, but they are still super short on depth and they cannot handle a varied, powerful, physical rushing attack. They can't. And so as long as Utah's not turning the ball over and as long as they stay committed, um, and I believe this is in, in Salt Lake, right? Yes. No, yeah, no, 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 it's in Tucson. Oh, it's in Tucson. Okay. Yeah. 24 and a half. I'll still take Utah. I, I'll still take Utah, but I would not be surprised if we lost on this one. Well, I got you. Uh, and are you taking it over or under? I like... Man, it's I think I think I'm gonna go with the over. Well, I'm taking Utah and the under. All right, uh, next game up in chronological order, we got we have USC at Cal. USC is the the line has moved from one and a half where USC was favored to two points. Who you got? I like uh, I like USC in this game. Um, I mean, it's just a it, it, when all else fails, I I go with talent. Um, but again, would not be surprised as we have continued to show in our picks. By the way, um, which uh, I think we you went two and three. I went two and three last week against the spread. Um, I went three continue- and two. Oh, you went three and two. I I did not do very well, um, but I I like 
I like USC, even though I know that Cal's pissed off. Chase Garbers just issued a long ass statement from his uh, his Twitter account saying that he's pissed off at University Health Services because the COVID tests that they received, George, weren't mandated by anybody. Yep, they were just giving them to give them. And then the fact that people tested positive and got contact traced made it turn into what essentially would have probably been appropriate last year, but this year um, kind of possibly inappropriate for, for the, the, the way that some of the players got held out, including him. So it's possible that they play pissed off. It's also possible that it serves as a distraction. Um, I think I just talked myself into flipping my pick. I'm going to go Cal. Wow. Wow. I'm taking the Trojans, even though that they are a disaster. If they lose this game, bro, it, it's it's a it's it's a wrap for them. I mean, like I, I don't even know uh, how fan like how do you show up to watch this? This is brutal. <laughs> but but I'm gonna watch yeah. it on television. And are you I, taking the over or under fifty three? Over. Okay, I'll go under. All right. Um Next game up is the 2.30 game between Stanford and Oregon State. When the hell has Oregon State ever been favored by 12 points over Stanford? That's a great question, but they were favored by uh, two scores last week, and they lost. But, but, But you could say, like, oh, well, that was Colorado, not Stanford. But Colorado leading into that game had done nothing offensively all season until the fourth quarter. Uh, of a game that didn't matter. So we're going to have to go revisit our preseason picks. I don't want to. Why not, Ralph? Because <laughs> first of all, we're talking about Oregon State right now. I think I had them at two wins. So they've already completely, you know, <laughs> blown that out of the water. Dude. I had Arizona State at 11 wins, which it is literally impossible for them to get to unless Utah loses out and they win out. Um, I had uh, Washington at 10 wins for the love of God. I think the only thing I might get right is if Arizona gets a second win. I have that at 2 and 10. <laughs> oh, bro. Bro. But I did have I – think, I think I had Cal at 5 and 7, and they're in yeah. the mix to Yeah, they're to almost that. there. Yep. And I had UCLA at eight and at eight and four, dude. I was what I had on too. about these teams, except for USC is the only team I blew it on. I thought that their talent was going to get them to nine wins, and the coaching was going to have them lose three. But nope, didn't even get there. I had I had uh, USC at nine and three, UCLA at eight and four, with a win over Utah, who also went eight and four. So I had Utah fourth in the Pac-12 South, and they're probably going to win it by maybe two games. So, yikes. All right. Um, so, next game up is Colorado versus – no, 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 sorry. Arizona State versus Washington. That game's in Seattle. Arizona State's favored by five and a half points. Over under 44. <laughs> That means they think that this is going to be a struggle fest. Give me Washington plus five and a half and the over. I'll take the opposite of you and the over as well. What what makes you think that 
Arizona State, after watching Jaden Daniels throw the football. So if Washington can get them to stop running the football, never, never mind. Never mind. (laughs) Hey, here's what I have to say. Arizona State is facing its third straight interim coach, which I'm pretty sure is a first in the history of college football. Yeah, but Junior Adams is going to go no risk it, no biscuit. All right, final game up, which is the game I care the most about, but I'm also terrified. Oh, and I forgot to tell you the networks. The uh, Arizona State-Washington game at 4 o'clock is on FS1. Stanford-Oregon State at 2.30 is on Pac-12. Utah-Arizona is on Pac-12 at 11 a.m. Colorado-UCLA is on Pac-12 at 6 p.m., and USC Cal is on FS1 at 12.30 p.m. And the Oregon game is uh, Washington State at Oregon is on ESPN at 7.30. This is Pac-12 after dark. This scares the hell out of me, Ralph. It should. <laughs> it should. It's, Washington it's State's not messing around. Game. Washington State's coming off a bye. They have won four out of their last five games, except against BYU, which gives me more confidence. But then that was the week after. But then that was the week that they lost their head coach. So I don't really know what to make of that. So, yeah, here we are. Oregon's favored by 14 points over under 56 and a half. This is going to be because it it seems like every single game – Oregon secondary gets banged up at some point during the game. They're going to need to keep players on the field because depth is going to matter very, very much. Jaden Delora is a serious competitor, and he's got two receivers on the outside that do damage. Travell Harris and Calvin Jackson are are going to put uh, they're going to put Oregon's defensive backs to the test. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I ultimately think that Washington State you might even give the edge to as a more complete offensive team. So Oregon's offense is going to have to carry them. They're yeah, going to have to get points on as many drives as possible. I don't care if they're field goals. They got to run the football on Washington State and force them. If they can get them down a little bit early, then Jaden De- Delora sometimes gets a little reckless with the football. So then, then that will allow you an opportunity to pile on. So uh, Oregon 14, over under 56 and a half. Who you got? I am going to take Washington State, uh, not to win, but to cover because Oregon has covered, uh, what, like twice this year? And I'll take the over 56 and a half. Ooh. Give me the un- – get no – Give me the over and give me Oregon minus 14. Easy. This is a layup, Ralph. This is an absolute layup. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, but no, no. But on a serious note, I am very concerned because this is a trap game almost. They're five and four. Oregon is coming off a super emotional win. Then you got to come back, refocus against a team coming off a bye. Yeah. Sketchy. All right. So last week, we you you predicted that we'd be at three bowl teams, and John Willner and I said four. And we're at four. You're right. I think we're at three. Oh, hold up. 
Yes, we only have Oregon, who's bowl eligible, Utah, and Arizona State. Yep. Right. So the question is, this week we have the opportunity for Washington State to become bowl eligible, Oregon State to become bowl eligible, and UCLA to become bowl eligible. How many bowl eligible teams will we have at the end of this week? We will have... The options are five or six. Okay, or, so or UCLA none. is going to win and get bowl eligible. Washington State's going to lose, so they won't be bowl eligible. Um, and Arizona State will win. Yeah, so that's three. No, sorry, that's two more teams that will be bowl eligible to bring the total to five. Okay, so you have Oregon State winning and you have UCLA winning, which will make five. Yep. Okay, um, I'll ride with you. I'll say at the end of this week, we'll have five bowl eligible teams. And then uh, that means that. Uh, and then Washington State will get a win against Arizona the following week. So then they'll be bowl eligible after that. Um, we have two teams, three teams that might lose bowl eligibility altogether this week. Colorado loses, they're out. Stanford loses, they're out. Cal loses, they're out. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. And then you're going to have the week after that, like Arizona State and Oregon State going for like seven wins. Dude, it, it's going to be a very interesting down the stretch matchup. All right. Um, now, the last thing that we got for you guys is it is basketball season. And, um, yeah, it is basketball season. And the Pac 12 power rankings have come out. And we are excited because there's a lot of talent in the conference. A lot of people are expecting a lot out of these teams, particularly UCLA. And the Pac-12 power rankings start. UCLA 1, Oregon 2, USC 3, and then dot, 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 Colorado, Washington State. Arizona coming in at six, Oregon State at seven, Arizona State at eight, Utah at nine, Stanford at 10, Washington at 11, and Cal at 12. Thoughts? Well, you know, Arizona State's going to finish in the top six because they were predicted to be outside of the top six. And you know they're going to finish outside the top six if they're predicted to finish in the top six. So uh, I'm thinking Arizona State will probably be closer to five and six than they are at seven. I do not feel as strongly about UCLA running away with everything as most of the Pac-12 media does. I think that Oregon looks pretty tough. Yes. Um, I also I just I, I don't know this UCLA team a uh, little streaky um, I am excited though to see them run it back Johnny Duzang and all those guys I, 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 I think it's going to be fun but I think um, overall I do uh, though I hate to watch games on their home court I do think we're going to see Oregon win the Pac-12 this year um, I do think UCLA finishes top three I don't think that they they, they drop all the way out or down um i am i am skeptical of arizona being up there tied at fourth with oregon state and i'm skeptical of uh, of usc as well 
I think that Colorado has started to build a really great culture, and I would not be surprised if the top three actually ended up being Oregon, UCLA, Colorado. Yeah, I, I think that we actually have a shot this year at a national championship. And we, I mean, uh, Patty. Uh, and we, I mean the Pac-12. I think that Oregon and UCLA are legitimate title contenders. This Even year. with uh, Penny putting together a mini pro team and uh, and and uh, uh, the Coach K farewell tour. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to be paying any attention to the Pac-12 this year. Well, they, we got to pay extra attention just because of the well, fact that nobody's well, pretty, paying attention. Pretty much everybody has UCLA either number one or number two coming into the year. And there's five teams in the coaches poll, which I found to be very interesting. That's a lot more respect than the Pac-12 has gotten in a, in a while. Um, I think they have UCLA at seven, USC at nine, Oregon at 17. Um, what are you Oregon, looking at, bro? USA Today. Oh, that was the final poll of last year. Yes. Damn, man, I'm off today. No, no, no. This this year they only have the coaches poll only has two Pac-12 teams ranked, and so does the AP poll. Weak. All right. Well, we'll see. We proved them wrong last year. Maybe we'll do it again. The only thing that I know to be gospel truth is that if you believe Arizona State's going to be good, they're going to be mediocre, and if you believe that they're going to be mediocre, they will be good. Yep. Well. All right. Well, you guys, that is the Pac-12 Apostles for this week. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. Peace out. Catch you guys next week. Oh, and leave a five-star rating. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.